Hey pod classmates, welcome to the first mini-pod and second ever show. I want to take a moment to thank everyone who listened and gave such amazing feedback on last week's show. When you are passionate about something and you turn it into a creative venture, you never know how these things are going to turn out. So I was really happy to see how many people responded to the show. I'm kind of hoping that all of the goodwill I gained from last week isn't immediately squandered over the next 30 minutes, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Speaking of the next 30 minutes, I'm not fully married to the title Minipod, so if any of you pod class peers have a suggestion, please hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at, at teachmemrwest, or email me at podclasspod at gmail.com. That's podclasspod at gmail.com. Come on, people. We can definitely do better than Minipod. All right, let's just get the show started, but first, a fake commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by back-to-school sales. Back-to-school sales for teachers who want to spend September's paycheck in July. Welcome to the show. Man, I am really excited to get into today's episode, but I'm not 100% sure how how I want to format these mini pods yet, so just know that it's going to take me a few weeks to figure out exactly what I want these mini shows to look like. I'm debating if they should be about current events and education, deep dives into essential components of education, listener questions, or all of the above. Either way, this show is for both educators and non-educators alike, so you can be sure that it'll be both informative and entertaining. If you have any opinions or suggestions I haven't mentioned, go ahead and hit me up and let me know. For this week though, I wanted to talk a bit about an important topic within education, charter schools. Yes, charter schools, a phrase that sounds a lot less like a hot button issue in education and more like something an obnoxious 20 year old trust fund kid would do. Mom, can I borrow your Amex? Tristan Bartleby and I wanna go to the Maldives. We're gonna charter a school and just like get lit for five straight days. What? It's for Bartleby's birthday. God, don't act like you didn't party when you were young. And while many people within education know exactly what a charter school is or how they came to be, many outside of education don't. And frankly, many within the field of education don't know the full story. This past week, more than 3,000 union members and leaders descended upon Pittsburgh for the bi-yearly American Federation of Teachers Convention. The AFT is a nationwide union of education professionals who champion the public education system, among other issues in education. Teachers in attendance spend their days listening to keynote speakers like former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and have discussions on the importance of unions and the future of education. And then, to unwind, they spend their nights drinking mocktails and dancing the night away to every Black Eyed Peas song because teachers are so cool. I'm kidding, of course. The nights are filled with hard drugs and orgies. That's just common knowledge. The AFT has made some of the strongest public statements against charter schools, but what most people don't realize is that the AFT played one of the more active roles in the creation of these schools. It's like how Victor Frankenstein created his monster, didn't like what he saw, then immediately desired to kill it. Only the monster didn't ask to be made, it just wanted to be loved and accepted. And if you were impressed by that literary connection, I highly recommend reading Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, because it can literally be connected to anything in the world, 
and you will sound like a bona fide intellectual at dinner parties. Yes, I agree. The quagmire in the Middle East is a challenging situation. It's like how Victor Frankenstein created his monster, didn't like what he saw, then immediately desired to kill it. Only the monster didn't ask to be made, it just wanted to be loved and accepted. Or, I agree that Golden State Warriors are ruining the NBA. But on the other hand, the fickle nature of fandom is equally to blame. It's a lot like how Victor Frankenstein created his monster, didn't like what he saw, then immediately desired to kill it. Only the monster didn't ask to be made, it just wanted to be loved and accepted. See? It works for everything. The history of charter schools is as complicated as it is contentious. In the 1970s, a school administrator in western Massachusetts named Ray Buddy had grown so frustrated with educational bureaucracy that he developed a concept that would completely eliminate the hierarchy of a school district. His concept would allow for departments or programs within a school to be given more autonomy and control over curriculum, grading, and classroom management within the school. And in exchange, these schools would be required to meet certain measures of success as determined by the school board. Buddy even wrote a book on the topic called education by charter. The problem was, this charter concept was about as well received as Eddie Murphy's reggae album. I don't care why you made this, I just want you and it to go away. So the charter concept sat there collecting dust for over 10 years with nobody willing to take a chance on it. It wasn't until 1983 when the Reagan administration released a report called A Nation at Risk that a national conversation about educational reform truly began. In this highly problematic report, the writers asserted that America's education institutes were, quote, being eroded by a rising tide of mediocrity, unquote. It also made the highly provocative claim that, quote, if an unfriendly foreign power had attempted to impose on America the mediocre educational performance that exists today, we might well have viewed it as an act of war. As it stands, we have allowed this to happen to ourselves, unquote. Fun fact, A Nation at Risk was the second title chosen for this report, narrowly beating out the title, Holy shit, we are all going to die and our children are going to be the first to burn. So flash forward to five years later, in the summer of 1988, when Albert Schenker, the president of the AFT, spoke at the National Convention. In his speech, he pitched his plan for education reform, saying, quote, We can't wait until the districts throughout the country have the strongest and best bargaining relationships. We can't wait until there are more districts that have both charismatic union leaders and superintendents. We can't wait to find places where everyone feels free to risk things, unquote. Schenker went on to explain that teachers nationwide must, quote, decide to do things that are very different from the rest of the system and to move out of a lockstep situation. This union now needs to seek ways that will enable any group of teachers and any group of parents to opt for a different type of school. Do not think of a school as a building and you can see how it works. Consider six or seven or 12 teachers in a school who say, we've got an idea. We've got a way of doing something very different. We've got a way of reaching the kids that are now not being reached by what the school is doing. That group of teachers could set up a school, which ultimately, if the procedure works and it's accepted, would be a totally autonomous school within that district. And just as doctors are honored because when they try something, they publish the results so that no one else need die of the same cure again, we need to honor those educators who try something, and when it doesn't work, they inform all of us that it didn't work. This would be a school of choice, that is, no teacher would be forced to be in this subunit, and neither would any parent be compelled to send a child to this school. It would be a way for parents and teachers to cooperate with each other to build a new structure." Unquote. It was in this moment that the charter movement was truly born. On June 4, 1991, 
the first piece of legislation for charter school development was passed in Minnesota. Since then, both Shanker and Buddy have turned their backs on this concept. Shanker famously called the charter school movement, quote, some kind of mechanical gimmick, unquote. Whereas Buddy more ominously said, quote, there are more powerful dynamics at work in creating a whole new school than there are in simply restructuring a department or starting a new program, unquote. Now, full disclosure, I came up as a teacher in the charter school world. I have a lot of positive things to say about this system and a lot of negative things as well. I want to start by acknowledging that there is no singular answer to education reform. Reform and growth involve multiple steps and multiple pieces working together toward a common goal. True education reform is like a massively complicated Rube Goldberg device. If one thing doesn't work properly, the whole thing stops working. Only instead of the result being low-stakes fun like, hey, I just spent 11 hours constructing a series of events that would ultimately turn the lights off in my living room. It didn't work, but it was a fun way to spend a rainy afternoon. Instead, the stakes are so much higher. Well, my Rube Goldberg device didn't work, and now nobody in this neighborhood is going to college. This was, admittedly, not a fun way to spend a rainy afternoon. One of the more positive components to the charter school system is that these schools are constantly seeking out better ways to build a working device. Millions of dollars are spent on professional development for teachers and acquiring cutting-edge technology to be paired with cutting-edge teaching practices. The systems that promote accountability, self-reflection, and professional development make the charter world, in my view, one of the best first jobs an educator can have. The downside, of course, is that, much like how chum in the water attracts sharks, Wherever there is money, there are investors. Education has become big business, and the charter world has declared that it can, in a big way, be bought. Whereas Shanker and Buddy dreamed of a school system designed by innovative and experimental teachers, today's charter systems are built on the backs of investments. The charter world no longer depends on their creative and brilliant teachers to develop exceptional and relevant curricula because it's now in the business of buying up what education companies are selling. And educational technology is quickly becoming one of the biggest markets in our economy. Reports show that the entire edtech market is worth an estimated $8.38 billion. This means major tech companies are vying for power and influence within education and are, in a sense, trying to turn our schools into investment opportunities. It's like how a venture capitalist gets involved with app developers. Hey, I've got this hella dope app I'm developing. It's called School, but it's spelled S-K-E-W-L. See, the terrible spelling lets you know how terrible my idea is, and that's why I'm giving it a valuation of $100 million. Now, you've either turned this podcast off about 10 minutes ago and are blissfully listening to The History of Pirates, or you're still listening and wondering, so what, now what? Where does this leave us in education? See, the dream of Shanker and Buddy started out as a theoretical kibbutz for education, where every stakeholder plays an important role. All are equal members in making decisions, and you'll be forced to share a space with a man named Yaakov who always smells like hummus. But Reagan's administration didn't just bring us an apocalyptic report on the state of education. It also gave us the beginnings of an idea that everything would work so much better if it was run like a business. These small ideas have, pun intended, trickled down into so many American systems carving a deep divide in the fabric of many of our institutions, which have led us to where we are today. So... Are charter schools the answer to all of our problems in education? Of course they're not. It can be argued that they are now just as much a part of the problem as the antiquated systems in many of America's public schools. Now, whether you like it or not, traditional schools are on the decline in the U.S., with many public schools shifting towards specialization, small learning communities, or magnet programs. The preferred option of the current administration is school of choice, which, 
and I know I'm going to anger a lot of people by saying this, is much more complicated than people who are for it or against it would like you to believe. Because they are being so heavily pushed by the people most in power, it's important that we remember why the concept of charter schools was developed in the first place and what the founders of this concept hoped to achieve. Teacher-driven reform by way of experimentation, autonomy, and measurable benchmarks for success. The concept of charter schools isn't the enemy of education. It's the way in which we've allowed massive amounts of money to penetrate this industry that has given us what we have today. It's a lot like how Victor Frankenstein created his monster, didn't like what he saw, then immediately desired to kill it. The monster didn't ask to be made, it just wanted to be loved and accepted. See? It works for everything. That's our show. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, feel free to hit me up on social media. Again, I can be found at at TeachMeMrWest on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email me your thoughts and questions to podclasspod, that's podclasspod, at gmail.com. Again, I'm still very iffy on calling these mini-pods, so if you have a better name, please let me know. Anyway, I hope you come back next week for my interview with Elaine Bernal, science professor at Cal State University, Long Beach. It's a fun one. You're not going to want to miss it. That's all for this week. Podclass dismissed. <laughs>